Well, good morning. Thank you for singing along and worshiping along with us. If I've not met you, my name is Rick, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. Who's, who's eaten turkey so far? Who's eaten turkey bacon so far? <laughs> okay, who's eating turkey later? And I know one person's eaten a lamb. No, or not a lamb, lamb. It's not, oh, two lambs. <laughs> two lamb. I guess that's not plural, right? Well, if you are visiting with us on long weekends, we have breakfast because why not, right? You can get up a little later. You can come and enjoy breakfast with us. So thank you for joining us. And if you're under the age, or if you're under the age of like 12, or you feel under the age of 12, and a book would help you this morning, Marianne has some resources or the. Yeah, just raise your hand if you don't have, if you feel like you could use some coloring this morning to help you along and some word searches as we look at Joseph. That, no judgment in the room at all, okay? So if, if coloring's your deal, you let Marianne know and she'll make sure she gets your stuff. We are tracking along with this, uh, a series called The Journey, and we are looking at stories out of the Old Testament Bible characters as we lead up to the birth of Christ. And we're on Joseph this morning, and we're looking at a topic of forgiveness. Now, as I was researching, um, oh, and if, if you want a Bible this morning to follow along with us, just raise your hand and Mark or Manier will make sure you have a copy to share this morning. You can, you can use that and then just give it back to us at the end of the day. That'd be much appreciated. So just slip your hand up if you want a copy to borrow this morning. I was looking at the topic of forgiveness and I came across this website called The Forgiveness Project. And guys, if you just want to throw that up there. I don't know. Has, has anyone seen, anyone been to this website, The, the, the Forgiveness Project? It, it's, it's, it's a project. It's a, it's a website. It's a movement exploring ideas around forgiveness, reconciliation, conflict resolution, how all those things can be positively used to impact our lives and the people's lives around us. On this website, you can see under, under stories, there are people who have felt like they've been hurt, felt like something's happened to them, and they go on and they'll share their story and what's had to go through, the process they've had to go through to forgive somebody and or accept forgiveness. Other people, they've hurt somebody and they know that they need to make reparations and they've gone and they've done their best and they've shared their story. And there's been connections that have made and there's been healing that has happened and there's meetings that take place. It's This is based out of the UK, but there's worldwide movement happening. It's an unbelievable um, project that they have. Go onto the website later on. The, just Google the Forgiveness Project and you'll find it. But there's a, there's a, a welcome video and it's uh, made by Besmin, Desmond, Bishop Desmond Tutu. I'm going to get that one out. It's by uh, the Bishop Desmond Tutu, South African Archbishop. And during the... Uh, had, a, a, had a lot of... Um, leadership and involvement during the apartheid fights. And uh, he introduces the concept of Ubuntu. Am I saying that? Where's, we've got some South Africans with us this morning. Where, am I saying that right? Ubuntu? I can't find you. Where'd you go? Oh, well. <laughs> no idea. They got no idea. Okay, here we are. But it's the word Ubuntu, and it's an emphasis on common humanity, our connectedness and interdependence, and how our, my humanity is dependent upon your humanity. And here's what he says. Listen to these words. Now, remember, this is somebody involved in the apartheid fights. We believe that a person is a person through another person and that my humanity is caught up, bound up, inextricably with yours. And when we look up at the topic of forgiveness and we start to think who I am is dependent upon who you are, 
that can be really scary. Because we know that we've gone through times when we've, been, when we've been hurt or when we've hurt other people. And if who I am is tied into who you are, and he can say this, this is clearly a man that knows forgiveness. Now, forgiveness, we know it's a basic concept of the Bible. It starts our relationship with God. The Bible says that we can't have a relationship with God except through forgiveness. It's standard in our communication with him. How many said the Lord's Prayer when they went to school? Anybody do that? And the kids are all looking at me like, what's that? We don't, we don't do that. Do you guys have like a spirit? Do you guys have something that you read at the beginning of the day? No? Anybody? Do you have any? Connor does. You have some, do you guys say the Lord's Prayer sometimes? Anybody else? Do you guys have something that you say like there's like a reading at the beginning of the day, like a positive thought for the day in your school? No? I know some schools do, some schools don't. But we used to say the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of every school day. And we find forgiveness right in that. Many of us would recite that every day going to school, right? What does it say? And forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And we can throw the verses on the screen. It's going to be our key text this morning. Matthew six twelve, and then verses 14 and 15. Jesus was teaching people how to pray. And he said, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then he says, forgive other people when they sin against you. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, it's funny how many of us have said those words, but we weren't totally sure if we were going to believe them or not. We would say, God, forgive me the same way I forgive other people. And then we go out on to the recess playground. And who's in grade two? Anybody in grade two? Who's in grade two? What happens if somebody hurts your feelings out at recess? You scream. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Proud Papa right there. You scream and you get mad. And do you forgive them? Do you forgive them? Maybe. Maybe, right. But, okay, so we say, these, we say these words, God forgive us the same way that we forgive other people. But if somebody hurts my feelings, ah, I'm not sure that I'm going to forgive them. We hold grudges. We get mad. There's, there's unforgiveness everywhere in the playground, even when we were reciting those words as kids. Now, not all that much has changed for us as adults, has it? It's hard for us to follow through on forgiveness all the time. There are sometimes a lot of factors that have to be in place before we're ready to forgive someone else. Am I right? When, we, when, when we've been hurt, when we've been wrong, we're not always ready to forgive the moment that that happens. And on these mornings, we like to have discussion around the tables because you're sitting with some people you know, maybe some people you don't know. And we're going to have a few times where we're just going to share ideas. So there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. You're just here to share. And if you're an introvert, I'm really, I apologize for this. You don't have to speak, okay? Freedom to just listen. Freedom to kind of Go to the washroom right now. But there's going to be two, going to be two moments when, um, when we're going to have a uh, discussion around the tables and one reflective moment. But the first one is this. And we'll put the discussion on the screen just for four or five minutes. What kinds of things have to take place before you personally f- are, feel able to grant somebody forgiveness? So if you've been wronged, what kinds of things have to happen? Is, is it time? Is it that person has to ask for forgiveness? Is there revenge that has to happen? Is what, what has to happen for you to feel like you can grant them forgiveness? Okay, so just share around the table what kinds of things have to happen, okay? <laughs> He's selling himself out. He's owning that right there. Revenge. 
You know, it's, it's true, though, that a lot of us have a difficult time forgiving until we feel like justice has, been, has, has happened, has, has been paid. I heard time, I heard humility, um, and then there was the revenge, of course. These are a lot of the common responses. But we're going to look at Joseph's story this morning. And uh, there are 10 chapters that really we're focusing on in Genesis chapter 37 through 46. So we're going to read them all in Old English. So just stand up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> you might, this, this may be a time that you can, you can go home and you can read about it with your family later on today. It's Genesis uh, 37 through 46. This is what we're encompassing this morning. But if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph in the Bible, I'll give you a brief overview. Joseph was the son of a man called Jacob. And Jacob had a lot of kids. And Joseph was born, the mother's name was Rachel. And that was Jacob's favorite wife. And Joseph became, and yes, they did have multi, he did have multiple wives. So it was his favorite wife. And he was his highly favorite, favorite son. And he was the youngest son at the time. So he becomes this, this, uh, this person of jealousy where, where all the other brothers were upset because Joseph was getting special treatment and special gifts. And if you've been to Broadway, you've seen the amazing Technicolor dream code and the story of Joseph that way. So his brothers devise a plan and they, and they say, we're going to kill him. I, we can't stand this guy. And then one of the other brothers says, well, maybe that's not the greatest idea. So they downgrade the plan to just selling him into slavery. And so Joseph is sold off, he's taken from his country, and he becomes a slave in a prince's house. And he serves dutifully, and he, the, uh, the, his, his master's wife notices that Joseph is a handsome man and thinks that it would be a good thing if they hooked up. And Joseph thinks, this isn't a good thing for my career, this isn't a great thing to be doing if I'm honoring God. So he resists her coming on, so she gets mad and she accuses him of rape. And he ends up going into jail... And so now he's gone from highly favored son to slave to prisoner in jail, accused of rape. And in there, God meets him and God starts to use him to interpret dreams. And he interprets dreams of two other people that were in jail. And they were going back, they, they had come from the king's palace, the pharaoh, the king. They had come from his palace. And one of them, the dream that he interpreted was that he was going to die, which isn't a real great dream to have interpreted. But the other one is that he was going to be reinstated. So Joseph says, don't forget me, okay? I've been forgotten by my brothers. I've been forgotten by my master who I served dutifully. Don't forget me. And so this guy goes to the palace and he forgets him. Third time in his life, he's been massively forgotten. But as a few years pass, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream. And the guy goes, oh, I remember a guy that I was in jail with that could interpret dreams. So Joseph comes out of jail, interprets the king's dream that Egypt and the whole area is going to go through a massive famine. And, and the king puts Joseph in charge, second in command of the whole country, and says, you're wise, you hear from God, you can be in charge of Egypt if you make sure that we can um, get through this famine, these, these seven years that he predicted that were going to be without rain and without good crops and good, and good harvest. Now, we look at his life and we think, this is a guy that really had no business forgiving anybody. None of the people in his life had given him forgiveness. Justice hadn't been served. A little bit of time had passed. But if we want to live a life that's directed by Scripture, and that's why we're here this morning, we're actually looking at, should we be following the commands in Scripture? We see this, forgiveness is a command. 
That's the first fill in the blank in your notes this morning, or you can follow along on the U version if you have a smartphone or a tablet. You can just look for, um, you can search Milton or Portico. But we don't get to decide whether or not we should forgive. People in Jesus' day, they were asking him, what's the most important part of the Bible? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said this, it's the golden rule. Who knows the golden rule? Any of the kids, do you know the golden rule? What's the golden rule? Zara, what's the golden rule? Treat it. That comes right out of the Bible, Matthew seven twelve. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Jesus said, this sums up all the law and the prophets. That's the way to serve God is to love him and love other people the way you want to be treated. The world's idea of forgiveness, the way that we exist, it often comes back to a question of morality. We say, the thing that happened to me, is that forgivable? For starters, I don't even know if forgivable is a word. And second, it's not a concept that's in the Bible. God didn't design us to question whether or not we should forgive somebody. That starts with an evaluation of, is this bad? Is this not quite as bad? Is this just okay so we can forgive this? In God's eyes, it's all sin and it's all equal. In Colossians 3.13, the Bible says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We forgive people simply because God forgave us first. It's a command. It's not something that we evaluate whether or not we should. Now that's not easy, is it? No, because we have vengeance on our minds and we have time on our and we have we, we, we think, God, I really just can't forgive You don't know some of the things that have happened to me. And that leads us to our second point this morning, is that forgiveness is a command, yes, but forgiveness is difficult. At your tables this morning, here's we're going to do a simple exercise. We're going to rank which of these acts are easiest to forgive, starting from the easiest all the way down to the most difficult to forgive. And we can put these on the screen. So we've got six acts on there. Someone who takes the last piece of your birthday cake. I mean, that's, that's danger in some people's homes. Being called a name that people know aggravates you. So if, if there's something about you that people call you, name calling that they know is going to get to you. Being cut off on the highway. I've driven behind some of you. I know you don't forgive that. I know. <laughs> Having an untrue rumor spread about you. A loved one who turns their back on you. And then the last one there, forgiving yourself when you've done something wrong. So just around your tables, discuss which is the easiest down to which is the hardest. Just take three or four minutes and share around your tables.
So I can hear around your tables that there's some discrepancy. <clears throat> some of you, I heard right away, said, well, the, the last one, forgiving yourself for making a mistake, that's easy. I can forgive myself. And some other people are saying, you know, I can forgive anybody else, but I can't, I can't forgive myself. And some of these things here, you, you can tell, well, those are, those are minor things compared to some of the real hurt that you've had in your lives. And, and when we get to this concept that forgiveness is difficult. Five minutes of me talking at the front isn't enough to change your heart to say, I'm going to grant somebody forgiveness that's really hurt me. And no one would ever suggest that letting go of hurt is easy. And for those who know the story of Joseph, I want you to think about, or even just as I've shared the pieces of his story this morning, there are amazing things that Joseph experienced between being sold by his brothers and becoming the number two most powerful person in the nation of Egypt, which was the world power at the time. This is a man accused of rape and in jail, accurately predicting dreams used by God, living in the palace. You know what? Joseph never learned to forgive. I want you to see in in Genesis 41, 50 and 52, Joseph is having his first children. Look at the names that he calls his children. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. If you say that, you haven't forgotten. (laughs) If the first thing when you're looking at your baby says, God's made me forget everything, all the pain and all the trouble. Joseph is carrying that around with him. He's 30 years old at the time. This is more than 20 years later that Joseph carries his hurt. Look, at, look what he calls his next son. The second son he called Ephraim. It's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He's the number two person in power, but it's the land of his suffering. He's carrying around this hurt nearly 30 years labor, and now his kids are labeled by this hurt. And he's not the only one stuck in this story. There's, there's this famine that Joseph accurately predicts that takes place. And all over the world, people are without food. And the only country around that has food is Egypt because Joseph knew and Joseph had prepared the country. Now his brothers and his father are still living out in the wilderness. And they don't have any food, so they come up with a plan and they say, let's go to Egypt and we're going to beg for grain in Egypt because they seem to have this figured out. So off they go. And Joseph was the one in charge of all of this, right? So they come into Joseph's court and... And immediately Joseph recognizes them when the brothers come into the court. Now they have no idea who Joseph is because he had been Egyptianized and he would have been, he would have been in that culture and in that context. He would have looked very differently with makeup and he would have had completely different hair. And they have no idea. They think Joseph's dead or in slavery or something. They have no context for where Joseph may be, even if he's alive. But Joseph sees his brothers looking similar. He recognizes them right away. So He's not going to give them grain right away. He gets upset. He accuses them of being spies and coming to to tear down Egypt. And he forces them to go back to their father's house and bring back proof that they're not spies and proof that they have a younger brother. And, And so as a penalty, he keeps one of the older brothers in jail there. And do you know what their immediate response is? 30 years after they had sold their younger brother, here's their response in Genesis 42, 21 and 22. They say to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. Remember, they don't know this is Joseph. (laughs) We saw how distressed 
he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we wouldn't listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us. They're, they're matching what's happening 30 years later to what they had done. They were carrying guilt. They hadn't forgiven themselves. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against, didn't I tell you <laughs> not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They're walking around with all this self-unforgiveness. They're unable to forgive themselves. And you can hear a message, for some of you, you can hear a message like this, and you know that God forgives, or you can forgive other people, but forgiving yourself is number one on your list. You know the wrongs that you've done. You know the shortfalls you've had in your life. And you can't ever imagine getting to a place where you could forgive yourself for who you are and what you've gone through. Much less could you believe that there's a holy God that would ever forgive you. Forgiveness is difficult. Gandhi said it this way, The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. So what do we do? Well, we start with ourselves. We do what we can do. Anybody seen the movie Invictus? Go back to the South African context. Beautiful story of Nelson Mandela and his, his journey of leading himself through his country and through the difficult process of forgiveness. So we're going to watch a clip, about a two-minute video clip, and it depicts a conversation between Mandela and his head of security. Now, Mandela had just assigned new men to his own personal security detail. But these new recruits that he was assigning his, his head of security were white. And some of the people that he had assigned to this head of security, they had committed terrible acts of violence against his very people. So we're going to watch what happens as this head of security comes and looks at Mandela and says, what are you doing? You look agitated, Jason. Well, that's because there are four special branch cops in my office. Oh, what did you do? Nothing. Well, they say they are the presidential bodyguards and they have orders signed by you. Ah, yes, ah, yes. Well, uh, these men are special trained by SAS. They have lots of experience. They protected the clerk. Yes, sir, but it doesn't mean that they have to come... You asked for more men, didn't you? Yes, sir, I asked... Um... When people see me in public, they see my bodyguards. You represent me directly. The Rainbow Nation starts here. Reconciliation starts here. Reconciliation, sir. Yes, reconciliation, Jason. Comrade President, not long ago these guys tried to kill us. Maybe even these four guys in my office tried and often succeeded. Yes, I know. Forgiveness starts here too. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. Our last thought this morning as we close is that forgiveness is freeing. It's a command and it's difficult, but it's freeing. When we've been hurt or we can't forgive ourselves, it's this giant weight that we pick up every day, like a pack, and we put it on our backs. And some of you, every day, you get up, and years ago, somebody, somebody called you a name. Somebody said something to you, and you've never let it go. And so that name that you've called, every morning you get up and you go, I'm going to put that in my backpack. Just carry that around. And it gets a little heavier. And for some people, you are forgotten. And we write the word forget. 
And every day you walk around because you know that you were forgotten by somebody in your life. And so you put that in your backpack and you carry that around and it gets heavy. And if you carry around rocks every day on your pack, and whether it is, whether it's abuse, neglect, we're never able to shed this weight until we forgive. I want, you to, I want to read the end of Joseph's story, 45, Genesis 45, verses 1 and 2, and then 14 and 15. They had gone through this whole long process of, of them coming and going. It had probably taken years. Joseph sent them back to their father's house one and a half times to go, and he had been playing games with them because he, he just couldn't forgive because they had hurt him. They had sold him into slavery. They had turned their back on him. And then finally, in verses 1 and 2, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence! So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all of his brothers, and he wept over them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. Thirty years, these guys carried around weight of, I sold my brother. My brothers hate me. God's forgotten about me. I'm in jail. And look at the emotion that's just released. Once he's able to forgive, he's able to go, he's able to walk around without, without this weight that's on his back. And he cries so loud that the entire palace hears him. And he cries, and he's able to hug his brothers, and he's able to live in a brand new way. And the only way that any of us escape the trap of the weights of the wrong acts is forgiveness. Now spiritually, we believe this is done for us through Jesus. Jesus died. He promises that his death pays the penalty for our sins and God forgives us. There's this concept of forgive and forget. And a lot of us say this, don't we? We say, I can forgive, but I'm not going to forget. God says, yeah, we need to. Did you know that? Isaiah 43:25 I even I am he who blots out your transgressions from my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Now listen, I know there are cases when we need to be careful to remember so we don't put ourselves in situations where we're going to be hurt again. But if there's brokenness in relationships and you want it to be restored, there has to be forgiveness and forgetting. Husbands and wives, we see this all the time. We've hurt each other And we say, yeah, I forgive you. And then when that situation comes up again, we go, yeah, but you remember, you haven't forgotten. And there's still hurt there. There's family members. Today's Thanksgiving, or this weekend's Thanksgiving, there's going to be families that gather, and you may look family members in the eye face to face, and there's real hurt and real pain because somebody's done something. And you say, yeah, I've forgiven, but I've never forgot. We're called, remember, to forgive the same way Jesus forgave us. And on that verse it says, I'm going to remember your sins no more. And we think that withholding forgiveness is a punishment for those who offend us. We think, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to that a little bit just to punish them. But really it's a punishment for ourselves. We carry that weight every day. And forgiveness isn't dependent on anybody else but me. It doesn't matter if they're humble and they ask for it, it doesn't matter if they even believe they've done anything wrong. It doesn't matter if they're going to accept it. Forgiveness is dependent on me. And when I can do that, I can live free. 
We're going to watch a video as we close. And um, Chris, do the guys, does Mark and Manier have the cards or do you have the cards? We've got a card that we're going to distribute to you this morning. And the card is really basic. It just says this, I choose to forgive. And kids, in your books, on your last page, there's a page that just says, I choose to forgive. And we don't ever want to get together as a church and not have something practical that we can walk away with. And this morning, what we were praying is that everybody that came, whether you believe in God, whether you're a Christ father, or whether this is your first time in their church and you're not quite sure about us, you heard there was turkey bacon, so you showed up. We don't care who comes and meets with us. What we do care is that we challenge you with some kind of thought out of the Bible. And the challenge is this. Would you take the risk and forgive somebody and just see, just see if there's a weight that's removed. So we're going to watch a video this morning on the screen, and it's just people who are doing that. And as we do that, as we write down on a little card, on a little piece of paper that says, I choose to forgive someone, we're going to watch some other people who chose to do the same thing. So Lord, I pray for everyone that's here this morning, and we thank you for your forgiveness. I believe, Jesus, that you forgave me, and because of that, I'm going to forgive others. And God, I stand here this morning saying that it's difficult, and it's not always my natural inclination, but I'm going to choose to act differently because I want to experience the freedom that comes from forgiveness. I pray that same thing for everybody else, Lord, that as we go through our lives, we find ways to let go and just live in the freedom that comes when we don't hold it against someone, but we say, I forgive you, and I choose to forget, and I move on. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to get together like this this morning. We thank you for those who made the breakfast for us. We thank you for those who led us in music. And God, we just ask that wherever we go, whatever we do this long weekend, 
that we would experience your peace and that we would uh, have great times. And um, Lord, all the glory would go to you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.